there. How's it going? Welcome to the Doxology Podcast, episode two. Uh, my name is Lucas Stock. You can call me Lucas or Mr. Stock. Um, and with me, as always, is my co-host. Jens Nelson. You can call me Jensen if you want, um, but don't call me anything else. <laughs> um, how's it going, man? It's been a little, a little bit since we recorded our first episode. Yeah, it's going really well. Um, this week at work was a little bit less chaotic than it's been, even though I worked seven straight days. Um, that's the really frustrating thing about working at um, at Quick Trip in Wisconsin is the way that they structure their work week. And, oh, man, it's like – so it goes like Friday to Thursday. Like that's how the calendar works. And so they can have me work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So that's four days in a row. And then mm-hmm. the next work week technically starts. And then I work, you know, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so even even though it seems like, oh, wow, you worked 60 hours over the course of a week, I'm not getting any overtime mm-hmm. um, because right. that week ended Thursday. So it's it's been just like super chaotic and it feels like I'm constantly go, go, go. But um, yeah. I'm getting better hours, which means I have more time to sit down and read again, which I really appreciate. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> um, what have you been reading? What have, what's been sort of, this is kind of a little bit of a impromptu on the spot question, but I'm curious. Yeah. So it's a book called Reenchanting Humanity. Um, it's a theology of mankind. That's the subtitle. Um, but this guy, uh, he, he wrote this book that essentially is exploring who we are as humans. And I think this is already getting ahead of the gun because we're going to kind of talk about this in this episode, but he essentially is talking about what it means to be human. What, how do we relate to God? Um, and he starts all the way back in the beginning, you know, why we were created, how we were created, how sin came into the world. Um, he has a chapter on work. So like, as humans, um, having a good theology of work. And that was like a really convicting chapter. Um, he's had a chapter on like human sexuality and that's about as far as I've gotten into the book. I'm about halfway done. Um, but it's just like a really interesting read. He brings up a lot of really keen insights, but roots it and grounds it in scripture and reminding us that like our theology comes from revelation. We, we are not self defined, but we have been given definition from, um, from God, from our creator. So I don't know. It's something that in our day and age of people wanting to self-actualize and be the best of, you know, the best gens I can be, live your best life now. Um, it's sort of a reorientation. Like he, it's called re-enchanting humanity. And he, he's talking about how it's, um, we've lost our enchantment. We've lost our, um, you know, ability to, to think about reality, you know, scriptural realities, but it's not just scripture. It actually is reality. Um, mm-hmm. and sort of like to re enchant that, um, to make it, um, come to the forefront of our minds again. I don't know. It's been a really cool read. Yeah. It sounds like it. Thanks. Have for you been, re- have you been reading anything? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, I, I, I know I, I sent you some, some pictures like a month ago, whatever, however long ago it was, but I got a ton of books for Christmas. So I'm sort of slowly making my way through those um one i'm actually gonna i'm gonna bring it up again uh later on in this episode but i the one that i'm i'm the most the most far into is it's called transubstantiation theology history and christian unity by brett salkeld um he is a catholic theologian uh basically doing an ecumenical study of the history and theology and doctrine of uh, transubstantiation, and he oh, had a really interesting, really interesting. I, I, I'm I'm not too far into it, um, but I'm I'm a little bit into it. He has a really interesting thesis where uh, he's basically exploring the ecumenical possibilities of transubstantiation and how that doctrine um, can unite even Catholics and Protestants, where it has so traditionally divided, and you know. I'm sure we'll get into that on a different day more <laughs> explicitly and deeply, but oh, it's, sure. it's been a really interesting read and, and I'm, I really, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a little different in terms of what I was expecting it to be, but yeah. it's better than I was expecting it to be. Um, and it's just such an interesting topic. So I was really excited to get into it, but, um, 
I think both of these books sort of indirectly tie into oh for sure the, the broader question that we're trying to get at today and that we wanted to devote um, this episode to. Um, it's sort of an extended. It's almost. I don't want to say it's another introductory episode so much as you know we're we're this podcast we're getting started we're getting underway we want to be a theological podcast we want to be a place where um we can talk about theology we can talk about theological questions debates disputes uh fun interesting things whatever it might be um and the foundation of that would have to be an understanding of what theology is so we wanted to ask that question today um, so we've both sort of done a little bit of thinking ahead of time, but we haven't discussed it ahead of time. So it's going to be a nope, real... It's going to be good. I'm excited. A, a real discussion about um, how we would each answer the question, what is theology? Um, right. So Jensen, you want to kick us off with, with yeah. your, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm super excited. And I think one thing that people will quickly learn is that we do both like to read a lot. Um, I have a, a reading goal this year, again, of one book every two weeks. Um, and so there's, these things are always on our minds and that's why we're probably going to be talking about them a bunch. And so to, to answer this question, I think it's like the overarching question for all that we do, not just in this podcast, but of life. Um, because if we're talking about theology and as I'll get into it, uh, the definition of theology is really important in not only who we are as humans, but who, who we are as Christians, as brothers, as friends, as whatever. Um, I think it's pretty all encompassing as you'll see by my definition. So I thought, I thought it would be appropriate to first start with like, if you went into a dictionary, the definition you might find just as like a, a way of like, this is how it's commonly talked about. So, I mean, just etymologically speaking, like what the word means, theology, um, the Theo coming from Theos, which is the Greek for God. Um, and, Ology is sort of like science, you know, biology, sociology, like that's, it's sort of a science of God is what it could literally mean. Um, but I think for me, that doesn't really do the, do justice to what theology actually is. I mean, that's a very, very, um, small definition, I think. And so when, when I look, when I saw that definition of the science concerning God, uh, I had some thoughts that I wrote down about that. And so I said, the problem is that when we scientifically deal with impersonal objects, so like whether we're dealing with like dissecting a pig, dissecting, um, you know, doing chemistry or whatever, like when we're doing that sort of like actual science, like the physical sciences, we're dealing with impersonal objects that we ourselves are taking the first step with because those are inanimate, they're, they're passive, whereas like we are the ones who are doing the action. You know, we handle it, we examine, we experiment with them. Um, but the problem is God is not impersonal or passive. So to say science, it's different because when we think of science, we're thinking of experiments. We're thinking of, uh, you know, doing tests and equations and um, whatever, trying to get some sort of outcome. But we're, we're dealing with in, somebody who in is a, in a repeatable way that you can, right. you can put in a box and, and you know, do it over right. here. Do it in exactly. And I think God obviously far transcends any of that. And so I also wrote down that only to the extent a being chooses to open up itself can we come to know it. Like I can only know you, Lucas, as much as you're willing to divulge about yourself. Um, it, the same is true in marriage. Like if you're married, uh, you'll know your spouse as well as they want to disclose themselves. Like if they want to keep things to themselves, like their sin or their past struggles, obviously you're not going to know who they are fully to the fullest extent. Um, and so that's, I think that's helpful in, in this conversation of what is theology, um, understanding that what can be known. So figuring something out about somebody or something can only be known to the extent that it, that that person or thing chooses to reveal of itself. Um, so what we can know about God must come from revelation. So revelation is a very key word in talking about theology in, in, in my definition, um, and obviously there's general revelation. So that's the first thing that God did was to create because we know that God is eternal. He has always existed and in himself in the Trinity had uh, a unity, a love that, um, you know, didn't need anything outside of himself. And it's not that he needed us to have anything more added to himself, but instead he wanted to reveal 
himself. He wanted to reveal his glory, his nature, his character. He wanted to have a people for himself. And so when we think about creation as general revelation, we know that Paul says in Romans that all humans are without excuse. Like all of us are sinners. All of us fall short of God's glory. Uh, but the, the reality is, is that when we look out into the world, when we see the trees, when we see the birds, when we see the atoms, the molecules, when we think about like how the human heart, uh, how the human brain, how these things work, it is all evidence of a creator. And we are without excuse because God has revealed it to us. His invisible attributes, namely his divine power, have been you know clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. So all people of all times in all places are without excuse. And so like general revelation, as we know, can only go so far because birds don't tell us about like, what is God's name? Uh, is he triune? Um, so there has to be something more. So general revelation is like step one, but step two is special revelation. So that's, that's that part about only to the extent a being chooses to open up itself, can we come to know it? So in scripture, God has chosen to reveal himself in a certain way. Um, in different times by various means, like through a donkey, uh, by the words of a man, you know, he, 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 that's what the author of Hebrews says at the beginning of Hebrews, you know, at various times and in various ways, God spoke to our fathers. Um, and so that's, that's step two is there's general revelation. Step one, step two is special where it's God's revealing of himself. And as we know about scripture, it, it happened over thousands of years. It wasn't like, boom, here I am. This is everything you want to know. And even now we can't exhaust an infinite creator. We're never going to know all that there is to know. Um, and so what I sort of boil this all down to is this. So this is my very concise, but like massively, <laughs> massively implica like it has massive implications. So my definition of, of what is theology is this, the revelation of reality, the revelation of reality. Um, and so I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit, what I mean. So again, I'm, I'm sort of using Paul in Romans as like a big thrust for my argument because he says that all people are sinners and we are without excuse. We should know better. And in fact, like God has shown himself in the world. It is evident that there is a creator. We might not know it's Yahweh. We might think that it's, you know, Buddha or um, Allah or whatever, but like uh, God has revealed himself in nature. So we are without excuse, which means that we should be searching for in a way, this creator, how do we find him? How do we come to know him? And so in scripture, in, in, in the Bible, in the 66 books that make up the canon of scripture, um, we find, sure, the science concerning God, but, but more than that, it is a revelation of reality because in scripture and only in scripture, do we see ourselves as we truly are? And in, only in scripture do we see God as he truly is, because apart from scripture, people have all kinds of ideas about like, this is what I think God is like. This is who I think he is or she or it or however you want to conceive of your God. And, and, and humans, as I was saying about when I was reading the, the book that I'm reading, you know, humans have this idea that we want to self-actualize. We want to create our best life. We want to choose who we are, how we act, what we eat, what we say, who we have sex with, whatever. When in reality, again, reality... <laughs> And, and and what I mean by reality is like the true nature of things, how the world works, how it operates, um, what we're what we were created for. At its core, theology. When we study theology, what we're doing is we're being, we're we're having reality revealed. And so, like from the early, from the first page of scripture, what's the first what's the first words of scripture? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a pretty big theological statement. To say that the world wasn't created in a big bang, it wasn't just random chance, but God, whoever this God is, we're going to come to find out, but God is the one that created it and here's how he created it. You know, sure, it doesn't spell out the exact scientific formulation for how he created gravity and matter and how he spoke everything into creation out of nothing, but the reality stands is that God is the creator. And so like that's your, you know, step one into mm -hmm. everything else that comes. Um, but I, th I thought that was like, when I realized that, like, as I was, um, I read some systematic theology, I read some biblical theology, I read some other stuff in preparation to try to figure out like a good definition of, of what theology is. And then it sort of, like, I was reading through all these really technical, really like theologically packed worded 
uh, you know, definitions. But when I sort of like sat back and thought about it, I was literally at work last night. I was sort of, I had this piece of paper, you as the reader or as the listener, I mean, can't see this, but I literally have like this scratch piece of paper with like, what is theology at the top? And I was just writing down some ideas. And when I, when I had the, the thought that theology is a revelation of reality, I was like, wow, that's like a really insightful, not to like toot my own horn or anything, but like, it's a really, I think a keen insight into what theology is. Because when you, when you think of theology, whether it's a theology of mankind, whether it's a theology of sin, whether it's creation, whether it's end times, whether it's angels or demons, or even just theology proper, like whatever it is, when we're talking about science concerning God, words about God at its core, it is a revelation of reality because again we can only know god to the extent that he wants to reveal himself which he's done in creation and through his word and so when we take those two together everything that we can see hear and perceive and everything that we can read in scripture those things account to informing us about the way that things really are this is who i am as a human i'm sinful in my natural state i need reconciliation like one of the biggest questions in all of scripture is how can a holy and righteous God justify sinners? And obviously, as you know, we'll get to eventually, is it's it's in the cross. Like on the cross is where God is both the just and the justifier. Um, but apart from the cross, I mean, the question is like, you could almost imagine like Satan going before the throne and being like looking at David and being like, what is he doing here? Why is David here? I know David's sin. I know what he did. I know what he's guilty of. Um, and Satan almost asking like, God, how can you still be holy and just and have this guy here? Um, you know, and all these things, again, it's revealing reality. And I think that's so cool to think about because as we go to church, I think sometimes we think about it as maybe like another social club or a place where we, you know, learn about who God is and we sing a couple songs and like, to some extent, like I agree with that. Um, but if you start thinking about it in terms of a revelation of reality, it changes your life because it changes your reality. Like when you start seeing yourself for who you actually are and what you were created to do and who you were created to be, that obviously changes how you live. So, um, yeah, I think the only other thing, you know, go ahead. I just want to jump in like it, it, the way that it changes everything going back to even just in the beginning, God created like to sort of use that as an example of, of what, like how, how does that aspect of, you know, the scripture, an example of the revelation of reality is it, like you said, it teaches us that everything came from a person named God who, who somehow by his word created everything. And, but it also, you know, we're learning something about God, about what he did. We're learning something about how he did it. Maybe not everything in that right. first verse or, or sentence or <laughs> chapter. But then we're also learning something about the world that we engage with every single day. The physical right. world. It, it, it had a beginning. It uh, came, you know, from this God. So he has some kind of relationship to it. Maybe that's a close relationship. Maybe it's a far. But there's this connection between God and creation doesn't we don't know exactly what that is from that verse but we know that there is that connection and like what you're saying we're going to participate in a church service worshiping that god we're participating in a community centered around that revelation of that god and obviously if you just had genesis 1 1 you know i don't know what we'd believe or what we'd be doing every sunday we probably wouldn't be doing anything every sunday but the point is um all scriptures God breathes are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. And that doesn't just mean, oh, we can fill out our, our check boxes and, and, you know, have all the quote unquote right answers, because obviously that's not the case um, to everything in our own terms. But what we are doing is we're, we're holding a book that is being or has been and is being, I guess you could still say, given to us to reveal reality. And that reality extends to who am I? Who is God? What is this world? Who is right. my family? What what is what is right? What is wrong? Like you could any question you you can ask, not that it will be, you know, explicitly answered in the pages of Philemon or Habakkuk or whatever, but <laughs> the best at, books of the Bible. <laughs> um it 
it is it is theology it is this revelation that god has given to us about reality that even if it's not giving us the easy peasy you know black and white answers we might look for that is what is informing us of reality by the one who has created and sustains and defines our reality right and so that means it's going to it's going to be um like you said changing who you are and what you think about everything right Um, because it really is getting at i I like your definition because it's really getting at the sort of the 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 fabric of you know i want to say life but it's even bigger than that (laughs) i want to say reality but it's in the definite like i'm trying to think of a bigger word than reality but like you know it's It's getting at the 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 essence of everything yeah yeah the essence of everything is is and you know that that sounds maybe a little out there or confusing and i'm sure i'm sure if if you know there'd be you know different ways to express that but i think that it it that is what we're doing when we're talking about theology we're not coming up with the essence of everything but what we're talking about comes down to what you're saying the revelation of reality itself and right and we don't we don't get to define that revelation or define the terms of it but that's what I think you're getting at is that theology is joining in that conversation, the topic being that revelation that God has given to us. Right. And I think the, the only other thing I, I, I wanted to say is that sometimes I think we sort of make theology an academic discipline, you know, especially you and I coming from, you know, Moody Bible Institute or just, you know, Bible colleges in general, you know, there are theology majors. And I think we sometimes institutionalize it uh, no pun intended um you know thinking that only it's only like this subsect of of humanity that is like we're theologians i'm a theologian with my you know my suede jacket and my elbow yeah. patches or whatever <laughs> um when it, when again in reality <laughs> keep using that word uh, as rc sproul famously said everybody's a theologian and you know he probably wasn't the first to say it but he wrote a book about it that you and me uh, our moms, our little siblings, our big siblings, the neighbor next door, even if they're a complete heathen, you know, living for the world or whatever, everybody's a theologian because everybody has a conception of reality, even if it's wrong. And that's why that's why I think maybe to even add just a little bit more to my definition is a revelation of actual reality because people live in their own realities you know it can be delusional it can be artificial you know we literally have a thing called um you know virtual reality it's it's fake (laughs) it's not real um though a lot of people see it as like this is what is real it's like that whole question of the matrix you know what is real anymore um but when we're reading scripture when we come to god's word when we talk about these things at, at at the core when we're doing theology i think it like i said it's a revelation of of reality as it actually is not as we want it to be um, which is like a humbling thing and it's not easy to recognize it's not easy to to recognize how sinful we are or how broken or how in need of a savior but there's definitely some comfort found in the fact that there's a god who has chosen to create to sustain, to reveal, to love. But yeah, I, th- I mean, I think there's probably a lot more that I could say, but I think I would rather hear what, what you have said for your definition. Cause I'm, I'm very curious to see what you wrote. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, as you were talking, I, I was looking over my own, uh, you know, handwritten <laughs> paper. Cause I also didn't, I didn't have my computer on me when I was <laughs> thinking about it, but, um, I, I feel like we kind of, uh, approach the question from very different angles and and it's it's not because i see anything wrong or or not wrong but anything i would disagree with in what you've said um but i almost get the sense that um my approach was kind of to hash out what it means to do and engage in the science of god the 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 sort of ology part of theology um Hmm. and a little I was a little less focused on sort of the what what's sort of behind theology what's sort of the why behind theology which is I think not to put words in your mouth a little more the angle you were you seemed your definition seemed to hit um, 
and I think maybe what I mean will become more clear as 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 I go on. But um, I also I wanted to start out with the quote, uh, which I actually I didn't realize it was Sproul, but I got it from um, my theology professor at Moody. Um, but everyone is a theologian is sort of how I wanted to start by trying to emphasize the fact that theological thoughts are a universal phenomenon in the human life and human existence. And that's not to say that every individual person is writing papers about the, you know, eternality of the Godhead, but that's not, not that that's not theology or that it's a lesser form of theology, but theology, if it is this revelation of all reality is much more all encompassing than merely a textbook definition of an academic discipline. Um, and as you know, I'm going to touch on this a little bit later I'm not, and neither, I know neither of us are poo pooing academic theology or trying to say that it's not important or that it's less important. What we're trying to say is that theology is bigger than an academic discipline. Um, and I would say that the academic practice of theology, not, you know, it's a little bit of a tangent, a little bit of a rabbit hole, but, um, the academic practice of theology, in my opinion, is not just important and good and helpful, but I think it's vital because not everybody has the resources or time um, to devote, you know, large portions of their life or their entire professional life to having really important debates and question and and, and uh, discussions on theological questions. And I mean, you look back to the the great ecumenical councils that gave us the you know foundational documents of of what is trinitarian theology and what is orthodox christology and not everyone back then were bishops of the church meeting in council but they that's not a bad thing that's just the way that the body works um, right but without those bishops who could meet in a council and hash out you know on the shores of Nicaea, what it meant for God to be Trinity, um, the church would be in a lot worse position. If, right. I think that's part that, of like, yeah, I think that's part of God acting in human history is like establishing people who um, have a keen knack for this sort of thing though. Just like with anything, like everybody is gifted in certain disciplines. And like you said, without people like RC Sproul, without, um, you know, theologians like Kevin Van Hooser or, um, you know, Robert Latham or even like Wayne Grudem, like without these people, like you're right, where would we be? Like we need some sort of direction for the everyday common layperson. I mean, even pastors, especially your pastor on Sunday morning is a theologian mm-hmm. and they should be, that should be like one of the forefront things that guides their ministry is recognizing that they're, they have a special role in communicating reality. That's yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, but. no, thank you definitely don't need to apologize and also um to sort of get into the a little bit more of the meat of where i wanted to go with my definition the other reason i wanted to start with everyone as a theologian is not so much to draw distinctions between academic theology and sort of the rest of theology but that if you're just if theology is just an academic discipline that is you know kind of a silly statement and it's also kind of an intimidating statement like oh i'm supposed to be a theologian so i'm supposed to like write books and read you know ancient greek and stuff like that but (laughs) the reason that i think everyone is a theologian is a helpful and a true statement is because the way that i would um you know condense down the gigantic question what is theology if i was going to come up with sort of a super basic summary definition mine would would be um what is theology it is to speak about god um and that that comes theos logos you know that's 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 another sort of i think way of of approaching the etymology of the word theology um but it but it also it also is sort of what we're talking about if someone is doing theology quote unquote they are speaking about God. And that could mean they're talking about the end times. They're talking about creation. They're talking about the Trinity, like all those things that we went through before. It, it encompasses a lot of sort of subcategories or, or categories within it. But um, so 
if theology is speaking about God, the rest of my sort of thoughts and, and, and musings I had um, when I was thinking about this is sort of what does that, what does that mean in terms of, of how should we go about doing that? Um, which is why I say I sort of focused more on the, what you described as the science of God, you know, is I, I'm sort of a, I, a lot of these have to do with how does one do theology? So I'm kind of mm-hmm. glad I ended up going second because I almost feel like, um, like I said, we're doing sort of, we're sort of answering different sides of this question. So um, speaking about God, if that's what theology is, that there's lots of questions with what, with what does that mean? And um, the there's, I, I wish I knew exactly where this came from. I, I, I remember it in, in, you know, in like, first year theology at Moody. Uh, I think it was, it might've been Thomas Aquinas. I don't know, but the idea of faith seeking understanding is probably something that a lot of people have heard. Um, and if not, that's fine. It, it's somewhat self-explanatory in terms of our purposes here of theology begins in a place of faith. Um, you know, if we're talking about Christian theology, you know, I know I just got done saying everyone's a theologian, even people who don't believe, but, um, to do theology in a Christian way, the way that we would strive to do theology, you know, you're starting from a place of faith and you're seeking understanding about that faith. Um, It's not so much that you're trying to take really, really big questions and come up with really specific answers that, that don't leave any uncertainty or anything like that, as much as we have the faith that has been handed down to us, um, and we believe it, we affirm it, um, there's lots of questions with it. So to do theology, we are speaking about God in order to come to some kind of understanding in our faith and with our faith. Um, and that gets a little bit into what I'm calling the task of theology, which I'm sure that could be a whole, you know, lifetime of work just analyzing what is the task of theology um but this book i'm reading on transubstantiation had a really helpful little paragraph that i think um provided a really neat insight into what is theology what is a theologian in the more professional sense um but also in the less professional sense if someone's doing theology what are they what are they trying to do so this is on I'm going to read from the from Salkeld's Sal book, Transubstantiation. It's on page 75, if you're following along at home. Um, <laughs> but uh, he's, quoting, he's quoting Robert Sokolowski, and he says, Theology helps bring out the intelligibility of the deposit of faith. Um, theology helps bring out the intelligibility of the deposit of faith. So um, he, he gives some examples that I think are really helpful. So we might ask, how did God create the universe? The answer is by his power. We could say by his word. Um, he is the creator almighty, so he created it by speaking it into existence. That's what Genesis teaches us. Um, but the real question he says is, what does it mean to say that God created the universe? In other words, what is the intelligible content of such a claim? Um, another example is how did Christ rise from the dead? Oh, well, we know that God rose him from the dead by God's power, by his word. It's kind of a a similar answer in these examples, but, um, what we're trying to answer in theology is what does it mean that Jesus rose from the dead or how can Jesus be fully divine and fully human? We can give answers based on scripture and tradition, but ultimately there's mystery inherent when we're talking about theology god the transcendent our faith um and so i think thinking about the the task of theology or the theologian whether that's the professional theologian or just your average everyday churchgoer um the theologian again quoting Salkeld, the theologian can identify the intelligible content of any claim of faith that you're particularly talking about um and i think that that gets at this idea of faith-seeking understanding, this idea of speaking about God for the purpose of coming to not all of the answers this side of heaven that we might want, but coming to um, a place of understanding in our faith, whether we're talking about 
transubstantiation in the Lord's Supper, or we're talking about creation, or we're talking about, am I justified before God? Does Christ's work matter for me? Did he, am I saved? These even more existential questions like that, or more painful questions like, um, why is my brother not saved? Or, or what does that mean that my brother doesn't confess Christ? What does that mean for him eternally? These really hard questions, or even just big confusing questions like, what does it mean? Like the example of what does it mean for Jesus to be fully divine and fully human? Um, we can go in a million different directions. And I think that the core of what a, a good theologian is trying to do is he's trying to, or she is trying to bring out the intelligible content of our claims of faith, whether that's um, this or that claim of faith. Um, and I think that that's a good way, a helpful way of thinking about what theology is supposed to do. And then also, I think it helps orient us to how are we supposed to do that? Because um, we're not here to beat each other over the head with what we think is the right answer. We're not here to condemn others um, who disagree with us on our theological opinions. We're not here to, you know, make our little camp and seclude ourselves from everyone who's outside of our camp. Um, but we're people of faith seeking understanding. We're trying to speak about God. We're trying to bring out what does it mean to say X or what does it mean to confess Y? Um, so I think that um, that's how I would sort of want to define it is to speak about God specifically in this way of faith seeking understanding. Um, and then I, I had a few, a few, uh, you know, specific claims that I wanted to make about theology. Um, but before I go into, into those, uh, is there anything that you, you're thinking Jensen in response to that? Any, you know, disagreement, challenges, additions, anything you think I should add? No, I, I was just thinking initially how I really like the direction you did take that because I went so broad in my definition, I feel like, um, and you, I think, made it more narrow. Like you brought it to a a more concise definition, which I really like. And I think one of the things I, that we're often guilty of in, in speaking of theology and speaking of these things um, is that problem of the difference between an academic discipline and it being something that everybody can do. And I, I'm mm. trying to, I'm like thinking out loud here a little bit, but um, I, I like, what was your exact like short definition again? Speaking of God. To speak about God. To speak about God. Right. And I think, yeah, it's definitely helpful when, when considering, you know, the question of what is theology because, um, we're not we're not philosophers in the sense that we're just trying to think of some existential greater being or um, trying to figure out the the initial cause that, or, or whatever. We're we're not philosophers. Like we we I think there is an understanding that we're rooted and grounded in a, a historic and orthodox Christian faith, and so that's that's sort of like a a part of the definition that is just sort of a given that this is a Christian faith, a Christian reality, a Christian theology. Um, and when we're speaking of God, we're speaking of, first of all, a, a being that is far greater and transcendent than we are. Someone whose ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He's outside of time. He's eternal, like all these things. And so when we're talking about him, we have that caveat of being the creature and him being the creator and in his love and his grace and his kindness, he has chosen to reveal who he is, if not in fullness, at least in part. And right now we know in part, but one day we will know fully when we see him face to face, that sort of thing. Um, but here and now, as we try to figure out, like, what are these words about God? What does it mean to study him? What does it mean? Like, we're not just trying to reach the end of, like, the end goal isn't just knowledge. Like, I don't want to just have a head puffed up with ideas, but I want to have a heart that is changed and transformed and um, one that is devoted to a worshiping and glorifying and honoring my creator. And so I think that's a big 
a big caveat that when we, when we do this, it's not just for the goal of look at I have another academic degree or look how much mm-hmm. information I can recite at you know the dinner table, um, but has it led to my heart being transformed? And I think um, one of the things I did forget to mention in in my part, I'll I'll say real quick is in doing ministry. You know, I mentioned last time that I was a youth pastor for a, a year and a half or so. Um, one of the things that drove what I did was um, three words. And I know that sometimes people have used the three words, head, heart, hands. I sometimes feel that that's too simplistic. And so I had theology, liturgy, biography. And what I meant by those three words is theology. Again, what is theology? Theology, what we know about God. So that revelation of reality, what we can read in scripture, what we know from creation changes how we worship. It changes our liturgy. It changes our devotions, our wants, our desires. It changes all those things. And that in turn changes our actions in the world. So like biography, who we are, and like that idea of head, heart, hands. You know, our, when our head yeah. has a true knowledge of God, it changes our hearts to have a true love for him and it changes how we act in his world. Um, and so that's sort of like keeping that in mind too, that what we know leads to worship, theology leads to doxology, which, you know, obviously is why we named this podcast the Doxology Podcast is because in doing theology, we're not trying to better ourselves for the sake of knowledge, but to know God more. That's just mm-hmm. one of the thoughts I had initially. Yeah, and, and I, I really like that, that uh, sort of those three categories, however you want to uh, summarize them or explain them. Another thing that I've heard in the past is orthodoxy, orthopathy, Ortho, orthodoxy, orthopathy, orthopraxy. So right doctrine, right belief, right worship, right pathos, like feelings, emotions, affections, right praxis, right, uh, you know, action, behavior. Right. Um, and uh, it's it's getting at that idea of the, the not just what theology is, but then uh, hand in hand with that, what theology at its best is. It does what theology is for it, it's it's not for our, it's it is knowledge of course but it's not for knowledge it's not knowledge for knowledge's sake it's knowledge right. for redemption uh for transformation for uh you know god's desire and love being tr- being not just filled into our own lives but then outpouring into those around us um so i think it's you- really really good yeah. Did you say you had something else you wanted to touch on? Yeah. Um, so okay. I, I, I wanted to, I felt like these things were important. They were, they were a little like disconnected from, from a definition. So I figured I would just, uh, tack them on, you know, into my little section, but I, I had a little heading for, for claims. I basically want to make these three claims about theology. Um, so, so, and all of these could use a lot more explanation that I'd, I'm not necessarily prepared to go into, or I think would be super helpful. I just feel like it's, I wanted to put these in our discussion about what is theology rather than um, trying to bring them up later. Uh, I wanted to make sure that they were connected to our actual discussion. So um, I want to make the claim that theology is Christocentric or it's not Christian theology. So yes, everyone's a theologian, even your heathen pagan neighbor, um, but they're not doing Christian theology. And Yes, all Christians are theologians, uh, just like everyone else is a theologian. But to do a truly Christian theology, it needs to be Christocentric, and we see Agreed. we see the way that that applies to biblical interpretation when we look at the way that um, Paul is interpreting the Old Testament. Um, you know, Christ was the rock that followed uh, the uh, the fathers of Israel in the wilderness. Um, we see the way that um, one of the inspirations for sort of the vision we had for this podcast was the the two disciples on the road to Emmaus what does Jesus do he interprets the entire Old Testament what what we call the Old Testament he 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 shows them how the entire thing is pointing to him um so if I don't know which is just such a cool idea like to be on that road with them like to have Jesus like opening up the scriptures and being like this was me like oh man to be on that road yeah um oh man seriously and then uh um it doesn't just include scriptural interpretation, um, but obviously, you know, scripture being the written revelation of God to mankind, it, 
it's that's I think a really good place to start if you're talking about what does it mean to be Christocentric. <laughs> um, scripture points to Jesus, not just the Gospels, not just the New Testament, but all of Scripture, which is all God breathed. The reason it points to Jesus is because it's it's written by God for us, and Jesus is the fullness of deity, the fullness of God's revelation. You know, it reaches its pinnacle in Christ, which is which is why theology as a whole needs to be Christocentric. It needs to right. be centered around Christ or centered on Christ, I guess. Um, and, and I think I had a, yeah. before you proceed, I just, I was going to yeah, say yeah. like, I had a, I had a professor at Moody who was like profoundly influential in my thinking about that reality of uh, theology, theology being Christocentric um, because his, his point of view was that like Jesus is reality because mm. Jesus is both God and man in the flesh. And, you know, like Colossians one, um, like Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Um, he is the, I mean, Jesus is the, like the ultimate sacrament, like the ultimate mystery, mm-hmm. the ultimate yeah. um, reality, because reality is literally held in him. He holds all things together. Like um, here, I'm going to pull that up real quick. Cause I think it's important just to read uh, because w- w- this was one of those verses that I read all the time to the students in my youth group, because it changes again, the reality of the situation at hand. So it says, he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him, all things were created. So Jesus created all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Like those verses right there, like are so huge. And it says in verse 19 of Colossians 1, for in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Um, and I think as we do theology, like you said, it's Christocentric. It's everything was created for by and for Jesus. And that, yeah, it's a huge point. I just thought it was cool to read that. So yeah, feel free to continue. Um, and another thing I want to say, which which all of these are are tied together in a variety of ways and they're tied together to the rest of the things we've said in a variety of ways um but they're just like i said sort of bullet points that i felt were really important to specifically hammer out um so the other thing i wanted another thing i wanted to say is that theological truths are always connected to life so yeah you can sort of abstractly think about you know trinitarian relations to each other in a way that is very abstract and disconnected but even if that's not how you're doing your theology or that's not the way you're speaking about God, that's not the way you're thinking about the revelation of reality, the truth is it is the revelation of reality. It's not just a revelation. Um, and it is speaking about a God who entered into our world, not just created it, but <laughs> became incarnate. <laughs> um, and, and so all of these truths that we can think about which we need to think about abstractly at times, but we need to also remember that they're all connected to life, always, all of Mm. them. Because Christianity um, is an enfleshed faith. You know, we we worship an enfleshed God. Um, We, the reason that our everyday mundane lives are touched by theology, whether we're conscious of it or not, is because of, of the sacramental nature of reality, you know, the sacramental idea that, um, you know, physical matter can communicate something transcendent, um, that, that there is an, like, in a sacrament, you have an outward sign, an outward visible sign of an inward and invisible grace. And Jesus, you know, as you mentioned, is the ultimate example of, of, of what, a sacrament would look like as the incarnate second person of the Trinity on earth. And um, all of that shapes all of theology because that's the God we worship, you know, and, and our faith is enfleshed. We are enfleshed people. We are spiritual beings, but we're not disconnected from our physical bodies, obviously, even if we might want to be sometimes. <laughs> that's not the way that we were made, and that's right. something we can do about it. Um, and uh, that's sort of a more theological explanation for the idea of 
theology being connected to life is that there's a, there's a very good reason for that. It's because uh, everything is connected in, in terms of who we are spiritually and physically and mentally and emotionally and what we believe and what we do has a connection because we are, you know, connected. We're spiritual beings that have bodies and um, God communicates to us sacramentally. He is a, a transcendent God who gave us a book. Um, well, a lot of books, but you know what I mean. And uh, he communicates to us in, in uh, worship services. Uh, he communicates to us through bread and wine and water and um, other people. Like, you know, he, he is, you know, the God who empties himself and takes on the form of a servant. Um, and that is, uh, I think, just a model for recognizing how it is that theology ought to be impacting our daily lives. Um, and then this one is a little bit, you know, this might warrant, you know, we can talk, it might warrant an episode in itself at some point. I'm not really sure. There's a lot to be said. I don't know how much we have to say on it, but theology is primarily a task of the church. Um, and this kind of goes back to what we got into a little bit where we're not trying to say that, you know, a more academic practice of theology is somehow bad or inadequate or, um, you know, not good or something like that. Um, but that, but I think that this statement is, you know, a thousand years ago, I wouldn't have needed to say this because the world was very different and whatever sort of academic life there was, was intimately tied to the church. Um, but today we don't live in a world where even, you know, religion departments or divinity schools are necessarily tied to, um, any church, let alone the one holy Catholic apostolic church. And so what needs to happen is not a rejection of academic theology. What needs to happen is a recovery of not only the, the connection between academics and uh, church minister, ministers, um, but just a recognition that the church needs to be doing theology and needs to take that seriously. Um, teaching teaching the people of the church, discipling the people of the church, witnessing to what it is that scripture reveals about Christ and what he's done and who he is. Um, that's all theology, or, or I should say that's all um, theology being put into real life ministry practice. For sure. Um, you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't get the, the, you don't get the right action. You don't get the biography being transformed unless you pour in to the head to you, 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 you give the people, us included. I'm not trying to say that I'm no. like somehow separate <laughs> from this. Um, we don't grow into people who do and think and feel the way God does unless we are being poured into with the knowledge and the word of God, which comes through theology, you know, right. not you know, again, theology connected to the church, connected to life, connected to the word. Um, and I and I just think that it's important to highlight that to not to pit the church against the academy as much as to um, recognize the importance of the church living into the fullness of her task, which includes theology and right. ought to be um, ought to be taken seriously and done in a way that goes hand in hand with, you know, the more technical, professional, academic theologians who need to be doing their work in conjunction with the body of Christ. Right. And I think that that sort of hit at something I mentioned earlier about um, your pastor should be a theologian because yeah, even R.C. Yeah. Sproul was a pastor. Um, like, in my opinion, every theologian, like when we're talking about the academic side and the discipline of it, should be a pastor because or else it's divorced from its context. To like so, I really like your point about it's like it's done in the church because to do theology outside of the church is to do a grave disservice to it because you're ripping it from its essence, from its home, from its foundation, from its like proper place. So yeah, I really like that's a really keen insight that theology is done in the church for the church by the church. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, so that kind of that that kind of wraps up what I had sort of thought about in terms of these oh, sort man. of important claims I wanted to make. And, and um, so just to sort of, you know, 
I guess re you know recapitulate reiterate what we've gone over um we sought to answer the question what is theology because the essence of what we're doing on this podcast is talking about theology and in a way doing theology um in in one of the arenas namely (laughs) this relationship between jensen and i as brothers in christ and theology we decided more or less not that we're infallible um but just in our own reading and thinking and and formation that god's been gracious to give us over the years we've come to these these two definitions of the revelation of reality of all reality of the true reality and speaking about god um the christian god and speaking in a certain way um to to seek understanding of these things um and you know we unpacked a little bit of what that means and there's more that we that can be said than than we would ever even be able to say let alone be able to say right now um but i think that i'm i'm really glad we were able to have this conversation and especially that we just we decided to do it you know at more or less the outset of um our you know a lot of a lot of uh, you know, theology textbooks, the systematics and dogmatics. We'll talk, you know, the beginning is the prolegomena, sort of the, the stuff you talk about at the beginning um, that right. sort of sets the stage <laughs> for getting into the actual, you know, the actual content of the the theology book. But um, So this I is was, our was, prolegomena? Yeah, I was sort of thinking of this in a way as, as these are the important things that we want to say at the outset that, you know, we're not getting in. I mean, we are getting into it. You know, we're sort of doing a brief little theology of theology, I guess you could say. But um, we're definitely going to be getting into specific topics and specific uh, passages or, or or discussions or debates, either current or historical, that have happened in the church. And um, in order to do that responsibly, we need to understand what theology is, which which is why we wanted to do this episode. So hopefully yeah, and i think it's super helpful yeah yeah i mean i feel like it's super helpful for me hopefully um our listeners feel the same and and hopefully um we'll be able to you know sort of return to this as a foundation of how we go about having the everything we're going to do we're going right. to have in the future um, right and i think i think yeah. if anybody has made it this far through the episode um, you know, we, this could be a conversation that happens over hours. I mean, you and I have had literally hour long conversations about just like one tiny part of theology. Um, and you might be wondering like, what about like, you know, Lucas, you mentioned the word systematic theology. Maybe you've heard the word biblical theology or historical theology. Like those are branches of the academic side of theology. You could say, you know, it's a type of, or it's a way of doing theology, like systematizing or in biblical theology, you're trying to come up with a coherent, like how is how does how is baptism viewed in the whole of Scripture? Is an example of you know biblical theology. Um, so you know this episode wasn't dedicated to like what is systematic theology because that would be an entirely different episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really, just getting at like what is just theology in the most general sense, and I think at least for my from my perspective, it was really helpful, and I do hope that as we go forward that this, I mean, I, I know it will be, but I, I hope that this is like the groundwork for why and how we do what we do. And that was one of the questions I, that was like the last thing I had written down was why do we do theology? Mm-hmm. And I think we've already kind of answered it in that whole head, heart, hands conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that is a big question going forward is why do we do theology? Why does this podcast matter? Like why spend breath and energy on, talking about it, researching it, communicating it to other people. Like, why does it matter? And the ultimate goal obviously is to know our creator, to know God, um, as he has revealed himself. And I mean, if you don't have anything else to say, I don't, do you have anything else to to add? Um, no, no, I think that really, that really is, is a, is a good sort of way to wrap it up is to just, to just highlight, um, that what we're doing is is intentional you know and and we're obviously not perfect and there are things we don't know and there are problems that we can't see in our own hearts but what we want is to talk about god in such a way that that brings us into deeper relationship with him and to go on that journey down the emmaus road uh as disciples um, together and and what is that what does that mean that means doing theology together 
um, right. in this in this very broad universal sense um, where we're talking about God. You know, where we're going on this journey, the two of us here. Uh, well, we're not in the same place, but the two of us here on this phone call, and uh, anyone who's listening um, who has stuck around and, and will stick around in the future. Um, and I think that um, that's what I would want to really hit as the most important piece of all this. Right. Well, I think that's a really good conclusion to this. And as as you last time read from the Book of Common Prayer, and I joked that I would have the Valley of Vision for anybody who's reformed. Well, here we have in my hand the Valley of Vision. And I think that this prayer is uh, a very good way to end this episode because it's called the act of approach. So that's the name of the prayer. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that idea of our theology leading us closer to God, that act of approach, this is appropriate. So it says, Lord, I praise thee continually for permission to approach thy throne of grace and to spread my wants and desires before thee. I am not worthy of thy blessings and mercies, for I am far gone from original righteousness. My depraved nature reveals itself in disobedience and rebellion. My early days discovered in me discontent, pride, envy, and rage. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor the multiplied transgressions of later years. My failure to improve time and talents, my abuse of mercies and means, my wasted Sabbaths, my perverted seasons of grace, my long neglect of thy great salvation, my disregard of the friend of sinners. While I confess my guilt, help me to feel it deeply with self-abhorrence and self-despair, yet to remember there is hope in thee and to see the lamb that takes away sin through him. May I return to thee, listen to thee, trust in thee, delight in thy law, obey thee, and be upheld by thee. Preserve my understanding from error, my affections from love of idols, my lips from speaking guile, my conduct from stain of vice, my character from appearance of evil, that I may be harmless, blameless, rebukeless, exemplary, useful, light-giving, prudent, and zealous for thy glory and the good of my fellow men. Amen. Amen. So like, I thought that was a, a really good uh, prayer to read. And I think we, we didn't mention it, but I think we'll probably close every episode, like alternating between the Book of Common Prayer and the Valley of Vision, because um, one of the really important things about prayer, it's not just, you know, that we're communing with God, but when we, when we read prayers it's it's almost teaching us how to pray it teaches us mm. how to order our affections our desires our wants our needs our confessions um so as we do that i think it's just appropriate to just close with a prayer from the past you know it was written by somebody you know probably hundreds of years ago who um and that was this is the last thing i'll say i'm sorry this is totally unplanned but <laughs> that was one of the things in the theology liturgy biography is in the biography section, understanding that like our Christian faith isn't just here and now. It's mm. not just what I'm doing in tw- you know 2020, um, but that this Christian faith has been handed down for thousands of years mm. and for yeah. hundred like you know thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Christians have come before us. And so, um, I used to do this thing called Christians of History at the youth group, where we'd take 15 minutes to explore someone from the Christian faith in the past because. Um, even if it was like, I talked about St. Augustine, Jonathan Edwards, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know, people like that. Um, you know, what did it look like for Dietrich Bonhoeffer to be a Christian in Nazi Germany? You know, he had sin, he had struggles, he had a life that is similar yet different to ours. And how did he persevere and endure through his situations? And I think it's really helpful to have that frame of mind because like you said, theology is for the church, but it's also in all places in all times. Um, because we're not just the here and now, but the people, the one body is constituted of both the living and the dead. Um, so that was really, I don't know. I like that prayer a lot. So yeah. Any, any final words? Uh, if you'd like to connect with us, you can hit us up on Twitter at doxology podcast. You can email us at doxology podcast at gmail.com. And coming soon, there'll be an Instagram probably. Yep. Yep. We're working (laughs) on it. (laughs) Uh, you know, and, and I mean, I guess you could do this on Twitter as well, Twitter or email. Any feedback at all, 
um, questions for us personally or on anything that we talked about today um, and any episode ideas or topics you'd like uh, for us to cover or to, to yeah. sort of weigh in on um, as as possible and, and appropriate and um, or anything else you know you want to insult our accents or <laughs> make fun of where we went to school whatever it's fine um, we'd love to hear from you um, again that's at doxology podcast um, or doxologypodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs>